0: guys let's come on back i do have a couple more quick announcements did y'all notice kevin breeding was in the house today mom is still just in case you don't know who kevin is kevin is our youth pastor here at maranatha church and him and his wife kayla who kayla is our worship leader just had their baby last was it a monday ago correct yes so Caleb's not going to be with us for a few more weeks, but Kevin made it, so we're excited about that. And, uh, but greet him. He's probably very tired. He may need a hug. And uh, <laughs> well, There is one more announcement. I want to make sure you know about this on this Friday. <clears throat> Jack's Hop, that Jacksonville House of Prayer, which is like the Kansas City one, but smaller, <laughs> meets here uh, on multiple days throughout the week. And this Friday, we're hosting um a 24-hour time of prayer starting friday at five till saturday at five and it runs the whole time and it's pretty awesome we've done these before y'all remember about a couple a year and i don't want you to miss i don't i want to make sure you know this exists i know some of you may be busy but you're probably not busy all of those 24 hours unless you're like out of town and so if you are in town any of those 24 hours i would recommend coming by and spending some time here in prayer it's going to be really cool those events are always awesome And I always feel when I'm there like, man, I wish more people understood how cool this was. So I'm helping you understand that right now. So understand that, how cool that is. Now come. All right. You don't have to come the whole 24 hours, though you can if you really want to. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would bless this word today as we study your word in the book of Ephesians. We pray that you would bless our ears to hear what it is that was written down all these years ago that you need us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, as we've been going through this book, it's been kind of messing with me. I I realize that probably y'all don't think about it as much as I do, but I can't say that for certain. You know, Some of you may be out there really diving into this, but it's been kind of messing with my head. So I'm going to try to not go on too many rabbit trails and stick to the point. But uh, Justin and I were joking about this. It's kind of like... uh, there's a letter that's written, but he's kind of like jamming a whole lot of stuff into one sentence and then like force feeding it to you. And then another one that's equally, you know, it's just kind of and you're like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I didn't even understand that, <laughs> you know. So it has that sort of feeling to it, almost like we should have gone a little slower. But if you if you read it, like Kevin sends out these emails every day to the church that uh, kind of give like a devotional and a prayer every day that break down a chunk of the scripture. And I, I highly recommend you can sign up for that on our website if you don't get it. It helps you kind of digest these in more digestible morsels because on Sunday we plow through a lot, and so I want to make sure that you're understanding and getting the depths of these things. And just to bring everybody back up to speed, we just finished Exodus, which we said ended with the people of God in the wilderness, but with God, and it was a very big theme about bearing God's name in vain, and how we didn't want to be people who bear God's name in vain, or take his name in vain, meaning take it upon us, and then we move right into Ephesians, which is almost like a guidebook of, okay, do you not want to bear God's this is like too many double negatives. Do you not want to bear God's name in vain? Yes. That's correct. Cool. <laughs> Y'all get what I mean. Okay. <laughs> if you want to not be a bearer in vain or person, this is a good guide of how to do it. Oh, Lord. This is not going well. But this book, just so you know, it's a letter to the church. It was in the bo- in, Ephesia- in, in Ephesus, which was a city. Uh, and it, it was kind of like a, uh, a letter that they would share probably. You know, like you'd say, like, you know, there's even a couple places, I think like in Colossians or something, where Paul's like, hey, get that letter I sent to the, them and read it. You know, some of these are very specific and some of them are more general. This one's more general, which means it really has a lot of application to us as well, just as we would you know, read it as people. You know, we can, they can be sharing it all the way up till today. And the, book, the whole book breaks down into kind of two parts. This is worth having in your mind. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are kind of part one. And they're about like the gospel or doctrine. And then starting next week, we're going to be going through chapters 4, 5, and 6. And those are kind of about living it out. And so he's clarifying um, some points in these first three chapters. And if you've been here or heard any of what we talked about over the last two, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, this week is going to seem kind of like, didn't we cover that already? And if you thought that, the answer is yes. This chapter 3 is kind of like a recap. It's like he says something in chapter 1, and then he says something kind of in chapter 2, and then he like, says, let me restate that just so you get it, how clear, like this, the logic of what I just said fits together very well, and here it is. You know? And so I can go quickly through some of this because we just covered some of these things in more detail over the last two weeks. And also I had mentioned that there is this book that uh, um, I recommend if, as we're reading through this, if you want to kind of go deeper, deeper, there's a book uh, Eugene Peterson wrote called Practice Resurrection, which is the title he gave to this kind of book he wrote that goes through the book of Ephesians. And like trying to bear God's name not in vain or bear God's name well, He talks that this book kind of gives us the guide as practicing resurrection, practicing what Jesus talks about and how to live as a Christian person, which is not an easy thing to do. And it wasn't then and it isn't now. So let's start reading here in chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, which, I'll get back into that. For this reason, which we talked about last week, Paul, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard of the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is the mystery Made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as has been now revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heir together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise. In Jesus or in Christ Jesus, so that first part is kind of like a tongue twister, but then he gets to the he gets to the part at the end where he makes the point very clearly. The mystery that he's talking about, the last chapter, and kind of leading up to this, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So this is a huge point. And if you remember last year, we went into extreme detail. Paul's, like, in prison. He's reminding everybody, remember, I'm in jail right now, and you know why. And the reason he's in jail is because he was, he was working with um, Gentile people on an equal plane with Jewish believers. And this was a thing that they had to figure out. If you go back and read through the book of Acts, you know, what Jesus did opened up salvation to the world to anybody who would call in the name of Jesus. And this was hard for everybody to figure out at first, because everybody at first was Jewish. Jesus is Jewish, and he's the Messiah of the Jewish people, who's the Savior. But, he's this, but that Messiah, the Messiah of the Jewish people, is the Savior of the whole world. And it took people kind of a minute to catch on to that. You see what Paul calls this kind of a mystery. Because some people at first were like, are you sure? I mean, Peter himself had to, you can remember the vision he had to have for God to say to him, no, like, this is what I'm doing And they kind of go, oh, okay, not, it's, what, the thing you have to start to understand about when God's doing things is they're quite often way better than we imagine, okay, which you might go, that's different than I thought, but you don't have to go like, that's categorically different, it's just kind of magnitude different, like you're like, oh my goodness, them too, like everyone, okay, wow, you know. That's kind of what Paul was dealing with. But then Paul was accused of doing some things that he didn't actually do, but it involved including Gentile people. And so kind of Paul being, he's pretty, so when you think about the early believers, they're kind of like us. Some of them are really smart. Some of them aren't. Some of them are really well-connected and have a lot of money. Some of them don't have money at all. You know, it's this weird mixture of people. And even Jesus' disciples, some of them are, you know, pretty hardworking guys, pretty successful business. You know, people, other people are, like, kind of criminals and radical people. There's this weird mixture of people, and that's how, the, that's how the body of Christ is and has always been, this weird mixture of everybody. Paul's one of the guys who's, like, he's kind of smart. You know, they, they, there's a couple places where they say that, like, Apollos was a better speaker than him, but he's not a, he's not a dummy, and he knows what he's doing. And, and so Paul takes this opportunity to point out, like, you know, I, I'm a, I didn't do the thing you accused me of doing, but you know what? I, I, I might, I, you know... I do still believe the thing you're accusing me of believing. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so he ends up getting arrested and accused. And he uses this as a way to kind of provoke them, like, take me all the way to Rome. I'll keep telling everybody about Jesus. But that's why he's in prison. And it's provocative because the people in Ephesus, the guy who he was accused of taking into the temple, like we talked about last week, was from Ephesus. So these guys, you know, he's reminding everybody in this first place, like, "You you might know that I'm in jail. And you might be sitting next to the guy that was involved in this whole thing or, you know, sort of. And so, but he's, his whole thing is he's been building up this, trying to build up this case, because some people were still maybe not too sure about Gentile people being a part of the people of God, Gentile Israel being the descendants of Abraham <clears throat> through Isaac, Jacob and all, leading to Jesus and all, and Gentiles being everybody else in the whole world. And so, when you say you're Gentiles, that just means the nations or whatever. And so, Paul's trying to make sure, like, I'm making a very clear case that that's exactly what I'm doing, and it's exactly what God's doing. So if you have a problem with that, you're going to have to deal with God about that. And if you remember, we talked about there's one body, and next week we're going to get really into that one body stuff. But he's saying they're heirs together with Israel as members of the same body because of what Jesus did. This is a huge thing, and thank God for it, you know. And if you remember, he, he had made this point in Ephesians Well, oh, I'll skip that. Go back and read Ephesians 2. That's what the whole book's, that whole chapter, you know, the whole second half of that chapter is about that, you know. We were dead in our transgressions and everything. But this is something God had planned all along. So I'm going to move on for the sake of time. Verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel, the gospel that everyone can be saved by the blood of Jesus, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, to the nations, the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in, in God, who created all things. And see, he's getting under this thing. He's like, I understand this isn't what all of us thought the first time we were thinking through all of these things. It's, in fact, better than what we thought. It means everybody's included. And Paul's saying this is his, his, his uh, mission, is to tell everybody about this, this mystery, um. In mystery, uh, what, what that word, the the original word there, it doesn't mean like Scooby Doo solving mysteries. You know, it's <laughs> it's more like things you didn't know, but then you do know. It's more like what we would put in the category of like, you know, I don't know. We sent out the the Voyager spacecraft, and they're taking pictures of the the planets. You know, and they're like, huh. We didn't know that. Now we do, because we have these pictures. You see what I'm saying? Like, we found extra moons on planets and things like that during that. And so we wouldn't go, that was a mystery that we just solved. You know, like, let's take the mask off, and I would have gotten away with it. Y'all watch Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> if I said Sherlock Holmes, is that, is that more hoity-toity for everyone? This is a mystery. So it's not like a trick. It's not like a... Uh, it's more just like a discovery. It's like, that was there all the time, you know... Neptune had these moons or whatever, and we're like, oh, we just didn't know because we didn't have good pictures of it. Now we got good pictures, so we see it. So it fits in a different category, right? Okay? God's not hiding anything. We're just late to the party, okay? And, that's, and that original word connotes that. And uh, uh, Eugene Peterson, and he, he did a translation of the Bible, which is called The Message, and he wrote Ephesians 3.9 this way, um, my task is to bring out into the open And make plain what God who created all this in the first place has been doing in secret behind the scenes all along. And so my whole thing I want you to understand is this. God will surprise you. And I use the word surprise because I think it carries positive connotations. It could not. I mean, there's times when you, you realize something about God, you're like, oh, wow, I was very wrong, and that's very bad, you know. But God's loving, so I we'll keep with the word surprise. You know, God's going to surprise you. But even in good things, God will surprise you. All right, guys? This is a big thing to remember. And Paul understands how surprising this might be to some of the people he's listening to. Verse 10, his intent was that, his, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now, Paul, again, he's, he's reminding, he's like, he'd reminded everybody he was in prison at the beginning, so he's kind of reminding me at the end, but he's like, but don't worry about it, guys. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. So you don't need to be worried about it either. But the whole super dense thing that he says before this, through the church, okay, through the church, God's going to make known this eternal, epochal plan to the spiritual realities and principalities. He's like using really big words here. And when he's talking about the church, the body of Christ, as we've talked about, he's not talking about this building. He's talking about you. More accurately, us together. But us together includes you. All of us. So, it's God's plan to, God's plan, not my plan, God's plan to make, make known his wisdom through you to demonic forces and whatever is there that's controlling things. This plan he has all along, how he's going to redeem the world through you. Does that sound like a big deal? Does it sound like a good idea? I mean, let's be honest. Did you know that's what we were doing? I mean, did anybody have any idea about that? Did you think this is like we kind of come here, as like this is a thing I do that my mom made me do, and it makes me feel better about myself for some reason? Is that what we were, you know? That's not what this is about at all. I mean, you can feel better. That's fine. I'm happy for you. But that's not the point got me literally, I mean, I didn't make, this is in, I didn't, this is nothing I've added. We're reading what the Bible says. It's God's plan. It was his intent now that through the church, through you, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. All of them. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. For your sake. In him and through him. Through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. There's a lot in that that you should be able to pick up on in the temple and all this stuff and all the veils that were torn and even the fact that he was accused of taking, you know, you you remember from last week. I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings which are for your glory. See, Paul, again, human, when you're with God in the wilderness like the Israelites, when you're with God, the wilderness is kind of different, okay? You're not going to not be in the wilderness, you're still in the wilderness, but you're with God. I mean, you know, there's the wilderness without God. That's pretty bad. Okay, we've all been there. You know, then there's the wilderness with God, which Paul's in prison talking right now. He's like, I'm good, guys. I'm, the, you know, I'm in the wilderness just like you, but I'm with God. You have these two choices. And we're all going to the promised land, but we're not there yet. And so he's saying, if you get this, it doesn't really matter anymore the, the circumstances, the wilderness, the particular version of the wilderness you find yourself in. I'll share this with you because it just meant a lot to me. This week, Tim Keller, who's a pastor that's had a big influence on me, and Kevin, um, I quote him from time to time. He passed away this week, um, and they knew that. I mean, I'd kinda, I don't I mean, I mean, don't know the guy, but he's kind of famous here or whatever. And so I'd kind of thought, he'd had pancreatic cancer for a while, and I'd thought from some of their posts that maybe he was getting better, and then all of a sudden he just he died. And it seemed sudden, and maybe, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but it kind of struck me. But I'd remembered, I remembered, I mean, literally he was kind of tweeting until he died you know and uh i'm not laughing it was it it was just sudden one of the last things he ever tweeted and he and he knew what was going on in his life so not only was he very sick but he was probably knew that he could die in a couple days i don't know you know he puts this out if the most powerful person he's talking about jesus okay guys so don't just know that If, if the most powerful person the power behind the universe loves you with all his heart soul strength and mind as you can as and you can see this on the cross what are you afraid of? Or why are you afraid? Well, this is a pretty valid question. I had shared that, you know, not anything related to him. I just like, yeah, that's a good point. We should all think about that. If God loves you, what are you worried about? And that man is, was dying. So we get kind of caught up in the details this is why i was talking about we need to lift our gaze you know there's songs like that. like why do we sing the same thing over and over again i'm going to sing it till you get it till i get it you know we need to sing it until we get it sometimes that might i don't know you know it might take a bunch of times we need to lift our gaze from this wilderness to god who's with us you know why are you afraid and then paul moves into this prayer time for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every Family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Kneeling wasn't a typical posture in prayer. He's making a very strong statement there. We would think, oh, yeah, kneel in prayer. That makes But it wasn't exactly what they would do. He's saying, I'm kneeling praying. That's a big deal. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, again, you can see there's this going on. He's like describing dimensions of things that are beyond dimension and knowledge of things that are beyond knowledge. And that's the point of what he's trying to say. God ain't going to run out, you know, we kind of talk about this thing and, you know, we're praying for Israel. Like I said, like we should be praying for Israel and we should be praying that God's that the chosen people that God brought Jesus from. And ultimately, most not all, but many have rejected him over the years that they would come to know their own Messiah. Like that should grieve all our hearts, especially Gentile people are like, man, gosh, that's sad. That's a sad story. And it's not over yet. You know what I mean? God has a plan, you know, but we should be. The, the God's heart, Paul's heart, he writes in other places, is like to pray for the Jewish people. And they're like, well, what does that mean they're better than me? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, like, God doesn't run out of love like that. You see what I mean? God uses people to do different things. And we have to struggle between the tension of God's universal presence, God's universal love, and God's specificity of... There was a man named Jesus who's God in the flesh who was born 2,000 years ago in a place... I wasn't there. You weren't there either. You're like, well, why wasn't I there? You can get weird about stuff pretty quick. The point is, it, it, but that's stuck in the wilderness mindset. When you start to factor in God, you get surprised at how good things turn into, but you can get hung up on, you know, does God love them more than me? The answer is no, because there's, when there's infinite, there's no more or less. It's just god's love it doesn't matter you know the the terms start to run out that's why i say when he's like i hope that you can know the depth of god's love that surpasses knowledge <laughs> he's really just saying i hope you could experience even a taste of it because you can't handle it you can't handle it you know there's plenty to go around you find these prayers mike bickle who we've talked about he, they use these a lot they call them the apostolic prayers there's prayers that paul puts throughout his letters other people you know it's like hey i'm praying this for you and if you go like i don't know how to pray for somebody these are a good place to start because it's like hey that prayer is in the bible if you're like i want to make sure i'm praying something right we're like well here you go (laughs) you know you could say i'm praying this for this person i pray that out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen. i must pray it for you guys right now for me too i pray that out of his out of god's glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in this love, may have the power together with all Christ's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. pray that for you. Because otherwise you're not going to make it through. And then the last bit. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. It's just a reminding that this is all about God and what God's doing. But you have to see that he sneaks in there. Now who's able to do immeasurably more then all you ask, think, or imagine, because he's the same power. that He's, he's like, uh, that power, that never-ending love, never-ending power, un, unqu- like whatever, unfathomable, whatever, he's putting inside of you. I'm willing to bet most of us don't feel like that on any daily basis, but doesn't make it any less true. The choice is like, are you going to pay attention to the truth of this or the wilderness? And oftentimes we're stuck in the wilderness. It's time to make the change. Oh, for grace to trust him more, which we sing. I'm going to tell you this story. We're going to get to this because later in the year, we're going through the book of Mark. And I've actually preached on this before, even not that long ago. But this story, I want to just breeze through it because it illustrates this to me in the best, best way. And I like this story. And so I hope that you'll get it to where you go, all right, we're talking about that again. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, we're going need to sing it till we know it, you know in mark 6 jesus finds out that john the baptist his cousin is forerunner the guy was telling everybody to repent because the kingdom of god wasn't like that he had been beheaded because that's what we do to people who are serving god we kind of tend to kill them and jesus is sad about that and his disciples so they go away to be alone in this crowd of people because they're on a lake they're like they're they're going over there and they run around the rim and like beat them there and they're like oh great you know and so they start praying for everybody and teaching and jesus is healing people but i'm sure the disciples are like you know if finally they get to where they're like hey look i get it you, you know you're god and also you need to but like these people need to leave you know we need to be alone and they need food so sent like I, I almost feel like the food is an excuse in this story they're like these people need some food better send them off to go buy food and jesus goes yeah why don't you i think you should feed them so here's the situation you need to see you're a disciple in this story okay guys so, too much is going on in your life for you to bear, but you're with Jesus, right? He's bothered by what happened. You know, he's not surprised as maybe you are, because he's God, but he's bothered. He loved his, you know, this is a relative of his. And then the people come anyway, and he's got to take care of them, and he's taking care of them. And it says his heart was moved for them. And depending on, you read the different, you know, this in Matthew and other places as well, with additional details. But, you know, he, he says to them... They're like the disciples. So you're like, you're like, okay, God, I'm fine. Okay, I'll serve you. I'm serving with you. But it's got to stop. They gotta, these people got to go. We got to get them out of here. They need food anyway. So send them to get some food. And he's like, well, then you feed them, which is not possible for you to do. You're like, I don't have anything anyway. And if I, if I could even just go buy it for him, it's going to take half of my salary for the entire year to do that. And this is not a sustainable lifestyle. So God's response to us, telling him we can't handle it anymore, is <laughs> I'm not only going to give you more, I'm going to give you something that's impossible for you to do. And let me remind you I'm God saying that to you as well, so who are you going to talk to now, you know? So you do it. And you go, but God, I can't do it. I don't know what the and, and he's like, yeah, that's, this is good. You come back to me with, I can't do that. And he's like, okay, good, you finally get it. So he's like, what do you have? Because you got to have something, you know? And in the Matthew version, they, they like some kid brought some fish and you know a couple of loaves. You know, uh, I can't remember. It's like five loaves, two fish. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. The point is, you got enough for like one kid, and you got thousands of people you're supposed to feed with it. She's like, yeah, that's fine, which is not fine. You know, again, in the the world we live in, that's not fine. But God's like, yeah, that that'll do. And so Jesus blesses it and he hands it to you. He says, go feed the people with it. And you're like, but I. Do. See, we, always, we know the end of the story, so we're like, oh, it worked out, and it was great. But like, there's a moment where Jesus says, that's enough, and then he prays for whatever that, and he hands it back to you. It, didn't, it doesn't look that different. You know, I'm going to tell you, like, if I gave you this bread, and I was like, Lord, bless this bread. All right, go ahead, feed them all. You'd be like, we're going to run out still. So you have a choice in that moment when you have this same amount of stuff, but it's been blessed by God now. You can either complain again or just say, all right, I'm going to do it. This is the make or break point for most of us. I think most of us break more often than we make it. And Jesus says, feed them all. And this is another one of those like surprise things. Remember I said surprise, make known the manifold wisdom of God. This kind of st- It's meaning in this kind of situation. Because it's like you could just say, it ain't going to work, God. I know how much bread there is. Jesus knows the whole time what's going on. We just don't. Like, us being surprised by something doesn't mean God is. I want to make sure that's very clear. God's not like, oh, I never thought about that. Good point there, guy. You know what I mean? There are some times you read in the Bible where people try to convince. There's conversations with God that change his mind. You might remember Moses. And I'm not even sure if that even works in the same way as it does, like, my wife changing my mind about something. But the, uh, um, which happens all the time. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, the point is, Jesus knows what he's doing all the time. You can see what I'm saying. But what he's telling you to do is it's, it's according to the power that's in, that he's put in us. And so what the disciples do is they take the, the small amount of food they got and they start handing it out to people. And somehow it keeps multiplying. And it's a funny thing. Like, and then the, the end of the story, if you were making the story up, would be, and everyone was fed well. Amen, move on to the next story. This is this weird detail that sticks out to me, which I can see kind of God's sense of humor in this, and also just a reminder. He talked about, "I want you to know this knowledge, and I, I want you to f- see this love that's not really seeable, it's beyond comprehension, and I want you to know something you, that's beyond knowledge, and I want you to experience these things." I don't know if he's talking about like the totality. It's just like a taste of it. The point I'm trying to say is, if you feed five thousand, the way they counted then is like five thousand men were here, but so were their wives and their kids. So God, who knows, 10 12,000 people or something are fed by these two fish and five loaves, which are like a little small, not they even this big, you know. So that's not possible. We all agree. So that's a miracle enough. All these people ate food and everybody's full. Wow, that's amazing. Jesus, you did a great thing. For some reason, they're like, well, go ahead and clean up. And like, find out there's leftovers. So, the leftovers fill 12 baskets. I would put that as an unnecessary detail if I was making a story like that up. You know, I'd be like, well, you know, that's a little heavy-handed, don't you think? You know, <laughs> that's the point where they don't believe you anymore. Here's the thing. I think Jesus wants to make the point that at the end of the, like, he's still standing up there. And they bring him, I, I'm, I'm adding here or imagining. They collect it all, and they go around and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. So not only did everybody eat, which is already impossible enough. Now we had a couple things here to start with. And now we have this whole pile left. Just in case like if you want to get into your head. God did something amazing in my life. God did something It changed something. It's very, like my life's different now. And then you come back like a couple days like you know maybe that didn't happen that way. Maybe maybe they started sharing their food and everybody that had brought food that didn't want to share were like all right i'll share mine too and somehow that was enough for everybody i've heard people interpret this story that way i feel like that's kind of a crap interpretation because i don't think they would have written it down in the book if everybody just shared I mean, you know this <laughs> just ain't going to do it the point is you probably, even if everybody did that, like, yeah, okay, I'll share my food that I brought for myself because Jesus is sharing and so I should share too. Da, 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 da. You probably still aren't going to end up with 12 extra baskets of stuff at the end. But so you go, you go, okay, well, maybe, did I see something? Maybe I, I missed it and they were bringing in extra food or maybe da, 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 this is what we do when God does something in our life. We try to talk ourselves out of it. Like maybe there's some reason. And then you can remember back, wait a minute, at the end, there was baskets there sitting of extra stuff. So God, I think, thinks it's funny to not only give us enough to do stuff. He's like, y'all can't even eat it all. <laughs> you know, not, you're worried we're going to run out. You can't even eat it all. Y'all try to eat as much. as It says well-fed or fully, you know, whatever. He's like, I could keep going. You're the one who you gave up. You tapped out. I didn't. I could have kept going. Actually, I did keep going. And I think we need to remember that. We're so worried that God's going to run out. And if you go, here, it doesn't, it's not like I can talk about this enough to where you go, okay, okay, I got it. That seems like it makes a lot of sense. Like that's a really good plan that God, the creator of the universe, has decided that this group of people included in the whole, the whole big group, like you said, we're the, the, God's going to do this type of thing, not just physical miracles, but this type of world-changing spiritual work as, a, as, as the depiction of His manifold wisdom to the, to the entire creation, including spiritual beings that we may not even know or understand. Like, God's like, I'm going to put my name on that. Like, remember bearing His name, carrying His name? He's like, I'm going to put kind of my reputation on that. You might go like, I still don't feel like that's a good idea. And it'd be like, yeah, in human ways, it isn't. But God's like, I got this, guys, you know. And I'm going to read you this in closing. Justin, why don't you come on up and start some, and we're going to close with communion and then close with, you know, but uh, because you might still not feel up to the task. And the thing is, you're not. Like, by yourself, we're like the disciples. He's like, feed everybody. Like, I can't. I'm going to get to, like, the first two or three, and we're done, you know. But when God's involved, you're like, not only do you have enough, you have extra, which is funny if you, let it, if you see that, you know, completely unnecessary to have extra. This is in 1 Corinthians 18 uh, through 31, and it's talking about this, this struggle, this mental struggle, because your brain gets in the way, some more than less but some a lot. You know, you start to go like, this doesn't make sense. And he goes, it's not supposed to make sense. It's just the truth, you know? Or it's like, and he, said it's just, he already said it was beyond knowledge. It's something you have to step into, and faith is the way that we do that. I'm going to read this to you. For this message of the cross is foolishness. You hear that word? He's like, we're not the first people that have thought through what, this, this situation that we're in. That God would come as a man live a life as a man, and then they're going to kill him. Like, it's not how you thought that story would go, you know, and people had to struggle through that. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, I thought it was the God guy. And he proves it is by showing back up. You see what I'm saying? He's like, y'all can't kill me. You know what I mean? But we, we get hung up. in that. So that cross, when we hang on the wall here, this story is foolishness to those who are perishing because it seems weak and seems empty and seems stupid. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Yes, with this kind of bread and fish story. That's foolish. That's crazy. But it's kind of got God's sense of humor in it. You can see what he's doing there yeah he's make he has made foolish the wisdom of this world for since the wisdom of god for since in the wisdom of god the world through its wisdom did not know him you can't figure it out god was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe jews demand signs and greeks look for wisdom but we preach christ crucified which is a stumbling block to the jews and foolishness to the gentiles but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, or Gentiles, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And then here's the thing. You may be like, "Well, I'm not up to this task still. I don't know, you know. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards not many were influential not many were of noble birth but god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise god chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong god chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in christ jesus who has become for us the wisdom from god that is our righteousness holiness and redemption therefore it is written let the one who boasts boast in the lord they're saying like you don't have to bring anything to table bring the little bit you got that's a plenty plenty enough to do everything when god's involved you know when you're on your own you're going to run out but when jesus is involved it's all you need and not only all you need it's extra and it's to remind us that it's not us that's doing it it's him and so when Jesus, when Jesus died, the night before he died, he took the bread. Um, and we do this on the, the days we have our, our lunch together. This is Jesus' communion where we celebrate um, what he left us to do to remember him. And it's, it's cool because it kind of fits into this whole pattern. Not only that we're eating bread together from the same um, bread and, and cup, so it's like part of us being together. It's also um, it's kind of a foolish thing in a way you know, like Jesus like, I'm going to die. I'm going to go away. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live in you. And then it's going to be this really important time that God's going to be using to make his manifold wisdom known to the whole world. But I want you to do this thing to remember me till I come back. You're like, okay. But you take this bread, which he said represents his body, which as he died on the cross and his blood, which represents the forget, like the redemption and removing of sin from us. And then you what we do is we take a piece of the bread, we dip it into the, the cup, and then you eat it. And that actually becomes part of your body, like his spirit living within you. So it not only is an active thing that we all participate. So I need, um, I need four people to come help me serve. Joe? All right. Two, three. I need one more. Uno más. So, I'm going to serve them and then I'm going to invite you to come up. And then, once we're all through, I'll pray and then we'll have our lunch together. So. While they lead this song, just come forward and take Christ's body and blood as part of his body.